Why are so few employees engaged at work? Search for Gallup's State of the Global Workforce and you'll see some shocking stats about how disengaged employees are and how much it hits the bottom line. Apparently it's over $7 trillion in lost productivity. So finding and retaining the right talent for the right job is the number one issue facing organisations. This is one of the reasons I started this podcast. I think employer content marketing has a role to play, but so does leadership. If you have an engagement problem, you have a leadership problem. So I just had to get Sean Hager in for a chat about leadership. Sean is a leadership consultant and an associate at Legitimate Leadership. He has experience in the pharmaceuticals and sustainable tech arenas, and he talks about the connection between leadership and employee engagement, and how leadership can be more part of the solution than the issue. Let's get on with the chat. Hi, Sean. How you doing? Hey, Chris. How are you? Yeah, good. Thanks. Thanks for thanks for joining. I know you're busy. Lots going on, but it's uh, it's good to take a bit of time out just to shoot the breeze about 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 a few things um we've you know we've known each other for quite a few years and you know you're you're in this now like leadership leadership consultant position and i think when we were talking a few days ago kept on going back to the the, one of the reasons i set up this the podcast the employer content marketing pod and i kind of look back at my my podcast description and it said according to gallup state of the global workforce report um, 85% of employees aren't engaged or are actively disengaged at work. And this right. is a sizable piece of research. We're talking about thousands of people globally. So, you know, the data is, is, is solid on it. It's quite a major, major issue really. Um, and what I want to do is just, just us to kind of pick on that a little bit, really, because I fundamentally believe that, you know, it shouldn't be too much to ask that people are in, in, jobs that they enjoy more it's not to say everyone has to you know love what they do and never have to you know work another day of their life or all that but it's about is about making sure that more people enjoy it so that is um, that is connected to finding the right people in the first place it's also connected to retaining the right people in the first you know as you go on but it's all connected in terms of like employer employer marketing so mm-hmm. um what I thought I'd do is I just I looked at the I kind of went back to the research findings. Um, I mean, it's quite a, quite a big piece, and I thought, well, okay, well, so this issue of declining productivity. What did the chairman and CEO um, say about about how to fix it? And he said, first of all, is is number one is move the world to a workplace strategy of high development. The single best activity for any team leader to deliver is not employee satisfaction but rather employee development and then second one make every workplace in the world strength based the current practice of, of management which attempts to turn weaknesses into strengths does not work moving to strength based workplace will change global productivity and growth overnight third one move the world's workplace mission from paycheck to purpose of course all employees need need a fair pay, but they are now driven more than ever by mission and purpose and require workplace culture that delivers it. There is a fourth one, but that's more about you know user use Gallup's yeah. model and services, you know, which is 
needless to say is is you know effective but so th th that's really what you know i got from it so i suppose let's start off by telling us a bit about a bit about yourself and then we'll go into kind of unpick this issue with kind of connecting leadership with with this lost productivity yeah I mean, it's a big it's a big question yeah well thanks for inviting me chris um yeah, my pleasure yeah i'm uh, i spent a large proportion of my early career in um in op operational excellence manufacturing environments um pharmaceutical industry and then moving into automotive and mm. last uh, four years i've really been um focusing on uh, manufacturing leadership okay and, um leading um large um, large plants large manufacturing facilities and um very recently i've now just um started a new career as a, a leadership consultant nice Good on you, mate. Good on you. And so, tapping on that thing about kind of your your role in in the manufacturing side of things. So, you know, is I remember you telling me about it kind of over the years, and you know, reading about it and on your your profile is um there's lean management there. There's Six Sigma. You are a green belt qualified. So, tell us a bit more about that for for people, you know, maybe if you don't know know so much about that side of things. Yeah, I mean, it goes back to um, a lot of this goes back to the Second World War, actually. And um, okay. it's just about uh, making sure you're as efficient as possible in manufacturing. Uh, the, the idea of manufacturing is lowest delivered cost without sacrificing safety and, and quality. Okay, and, yeah. and in order to do that, because you are a big cost center in manufacturing, you, you've got to watch the pennies and they look after the pounds. So mm. um, having an organized workplace environment where defects are easily spotted uh, means that you can you can run right first time and, and and more efficiently and save costs and ultimately it all comes down to how you solve your problems a six sigma mm -hmm. purport you've got the place into a, an organized state you can use statistics to then improve your processes and it's very powerful methodology uh, not applicable in all circumstance, but um, mm. it is very transferable and it makes big difference to organizations. What people tend to find is they put these uh, transformation programs in place and they make an, an, an instant improvement and everyone pats themselves on the back and then when they turn around, slowly goes back to where it came from, you know, mm. in terms of the performance. So you're like, well, why has why this dropped off? Which is an interesting mm. question to ask yourself. For my my yeah. It's down. It's down to leadership. It's down to people. Mm. Okay. Yeah. So it's process and people. too. well, <laughs> sounds simple when you say that, but there's a whole lot of stuff there, isn't there? Really, and that's why, I particularly, from what we've talked about, you know, you know, it's that thing about about purpose and focusing on strengths. You know, about identifying people's, you know, people's fit within organization. That's stuff you've been heavily involved in isn't it so so let's talk about so you know those always the kind of starting point really is is about okay well let's let's look at maybe why there are issues with disengagement active disengagement of employees of such vast numbers and only 15 percent of people are are um, are engaged at work well what, what do we mean by engagement i suppose first mm. of all i mean to me, that word means that you're passionate about your job, that you're willing to go above and beyond in pursuit of the organization's objectives. And almost it's what you do when no one's looking. Uh, you know, do you go out and, <laughs> yeah. 
and do your best um, every day, even when you're not necessarily going to get any credit for it. Mm. You know, um, why is it that we've now got a world, or has it always been the case? We're just better at measuring it now. That, that people are turning up every day for a paycheck. And when you consider the amount of time that you spend in the workplace, I think that's kind of a sad state of affairs. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. It's one of the reasons I love, love doing what I'm doing. You know, I do, do consumer and done a lot of education marketing in the past, but, you know, the employer side of things has definitely resonated with me because of well, the, how much time we do spend at, at work. And it's, it might be a bit of a, rose-tinted simplistic way of looking at it but it can't be surely too much to ask that more people in the world are doing jobs that they enjoy more or at very least moderately engaged in as opposed to being disengaged or actively disengaged yeah i mean yeah. I, to me i think it's um if you've got an engagement problem you've got a people problem in the manufacturing world if you've got a safety problem you've got a people problem you know these are mm. they're similar things and if you've got a people problem my opinion is you've got a leadership problem and you know quite a lot of the time i i hear sentences like this company doesn't care about me uh, this organization doesn't care about us uh, which is resources to them and the way i always unpick that is an organization doesn't have the capacity to care it's a legal entity mm. um, the only thing that can care about you is another human being and what they actually yeah, yeah. Is, um my boss doesn't care about me my my manager mm. doesn't care and people this is a well quoted say but people leave managers they don't leave companies yes yeah yeah absolutely yeah. so why why is that that's a very popular phrase isn't it yeah but it's there for a reason it's used a lot for for good reason yeah and in, in my take on it is that you know you you're born you go to school and you either go to further education or you fall into a job you, know, you try hard because you want a bit more money um, or you're just naturally the sort of person that, that goes in and does a does a good job every day and, and then you're good at the task and you get promoted and they say, well, you know that thing you were good at, can you go and look after these 10 people that are doing that task? No one ever trains you for that leap. Or if they do, you get sent on a, an online course or you get you go to a um you go to a week's training course somewhere where they say things like, you know, this is how you be a good leader. And, got to empower your people you've got to trust your people you've got to delegate well and they'll tell you all of the the end results of of what you need to do or be in order to manage and lead people in a in an effective way but they don't often tell you how to do it and people are difficult i'm difficult you're difficult we're um we're hard it's a hard practice to lead people it's not an easy job and hierarchies which uh, exist within companies um if you want more bigger jobs the, the the way that we're set up in most organizations is you've got to go up and be a leader i think that's definitely yeah. changing there's been you know and when i'm talking about leadership i'm definitely talking about people management here uh, i've seen uh i've seen organizations move more towards uh, rewarding people for technical competence now than they've probably done in the past you know, you needed a budget and people before to get that promotion. And I don't think that's necessarily as prevalent as it was. But typically, move up the organization, then you have to have sharp leadership skills. And I don't think we teach it very well globally. Well, is that actually, yeah, it's interesting you say it because it's like 
that makes me think of little thing of soft skills and hard skills. Those hard skills are, I think, often just appreciated more than the soft skills. But the soft skills are really important. In fact, they shouldn't be called soft skills, really, because it it makes them sound lesser a lesser you know skill set to to have. And uh, you're right, isn't it? When often when people are promoted, it's they kind of then move out of what they are good at and what they love love doing as well. It's got to be another way, surely. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, you end up you end up basically promoted to a job that you don't want to do, you know, because the job that you want to do your son, this is this is a, a generalization, but quite often you want to be doing the job you were doing previously, because you were good at that and it excited you. And now you now what you're doing is you're in charge of 10 people who don't who aren't as good at the job as you were. So the tendency is to go and is, is to go and do, carry on doing what you were doing before. Um, you can always spot those people because they're very, very busy because they're no longer doing one job they're doing 10. actually there's that thing about there's that gap in 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 training there isn't there because it's it's about going well yes you may be really good at what you do but what you're there to do when you're then in a leadership role is just give your people what they need to their, do their job to their best ability and if if you are only skilled at doing what you've done before and maybe you don't have the confidence to do what you're now meant to be doing then you there is you know toes being trodden on um kind of miscommunication and that can have a massive trickle down effect can't it yeah i mean what you know my belief is you've got to as a leader you've got to um build trust in the the people that you serve or the people that are in your charge so you've got to You've got to, and and beyond that as well, you've got to build trust by showing people that you that you are going to, willing to care for them, and you're willing to grow for grow them, and that's what the legitimate leadership model, um, who I'm associate for, focuses on. And it definitely, um, when I first came across this in about 2016, it it really did, it really did change my outlook on what a good leader needs to to be. And I think we focus too much on knowledge, we focus quite a lot on authority and ultimately what we should be doing is making sure that our people are the best they can possibly be and sometimes that's not in the role that they're in you know and that's a difficult conversation to have with people actually this this just isn't right for you that's a give from the leader to the, to that person i've worked with people that have been in roles for 10 12 years that aren't suited to those roles and they're miserable but they come in every day and they try really hard, um, but they don't get any. They don't know they're not going anywhere. And there's no, they've never had a leader who's had the courage to help them to move into an area where they can make a big, a better contribution. And ultimately, if you want to be a leader, you've got to be interested in people and doing those types of activities in yeah. order to be effective at it. And if you're not, then don't take it on. Yeah, for sure. And actually, in, in the um in our previous episodes, um, was chatting with David, uh, David Angus, the Chief Strategy Officer at Creative Digital. And um, he was talking about how they were looking at uh, using something called the Enterprise Operating System, which is about looking at, they call it seats within an organization. Yeah. The, the people and the roles that those people do and, um, and looking at fit, basically. Um, it's more about finding, identifying strengths and, you know, and 
aligning readjusting on that and then filling in gaps if 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 you if you need to but um yeah that was in one of my previous previous episodes so yeah so you're associate at legitimate leadership and um so legitimate leadership have this, have this framework tell us a bit about about the framework uh yeah um briefly it's um it's it's a framework that that guides leaders on two main principles one of those is that you're there to care for your people and you're there to grow them and what that essentially means is that um you're spending time and attention on them you know them as human beings not as human resources um, a contentious yeah. one but you like them yeah well i have to like them all yeah you've got to find something to like in the people that you lead um uh, that you um you know what drives them you know what motivates them you have a personal relationship with them mm. that builds trust and it shows people um what your intent is and that's a really important core message that goes through that through the model what is your intent towards somebody you can't tell them i have good intent right you can only show them over time through the things that you do and ultimately you you pass the intent test on a daily basis every time every interaction you have with them every action you take um you're being judged essentially by the people mm -hmm. that, you, that you lead and that has to be in conjunction with growing the person in your care um ultimately uh we've got a, a very simple but very powerful empowerment framework where your job is to provide the means for them to do their job the ability skill the know-how the know-why for them to do their job and um, ultimately and the difficult bit of course is to hold them accountable to the standards that we've put in place and doing those things um separately from each other it doesn't work um the care caring for people building trust in the uh, in the relationship gives you the license and the ability to grow them and you can't do one without the other so if you think about like a high care low growth environment um basically you're not willing to hold high standards um for the people that work there so what happens over time is that those standards slip and performance goes down morale drops trust in leadership drops but you're being highly care caring for people so it's sort of a you know it's a dipole you're like why is it happening i'm so nice to everybody um equally if you're trying to grow people and you hold these high standards without the without care piece then um, you won't build trust and you'll end up getting getting resistance so two of those things hand in hand are what's needed in order to um to be a effective leader that improves the players on the pitch well actually improves the players on the pitch that's um you know we both like our football um, you know we've often creeped into this area of talking about football as kind of a you know mirror onto onto the stuff we're talking about so you talked we were talking about yesterday weren't we talking about kind of pep and Pep Guardiola and Jurgen Klopp and Alex Ferguson. What was their kind of their approach to players on the pitch? 
Yeah, we use this analogy quite a bit because it's um, it's quite a useful one to get across some of the points that we're trying to make. But um, mm. one of the one of the key things we talk about is the ability for leaders to watch the game. You know, where where is Pep Guardiola or your Jurgen, your Liverpool fan says to Jurgen Klopp, "Where's Jurgen Klopp on game day? He's not sat in his office, is he? Where is he?" Yeah, yeah, he's standing he's, off he's, the side he's of the Yeah, right. <laughs> he's heading every ball. He's kicking every ball. Kicking every player is, and he's giving feedback to his team. He's watching what's going on. He can't play on the pitch; rules don't allow him to. And he's not absent. He's watching. He's taking notes. And you mentioned earlier about, um, you know, there's this trend, or uh, it was in the the Gallup article. This is a trend to um, round off people's weaknesses. Now, there's there's some there's some sanity to that. If there's a yeah. particular business skill in which you're you're not quite reaching the standard on, but I think you can go way too far with that. I've always advised yeah. people to focus on their strengths. You know, if you're a if you're a centre forward, but you're rubbish in goal, there's no point spending the next three months training to be a goalkeeper. It's not your job. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, what you want is directed and acute feedback from the coach who's watched your game to round off the things that you already do well, which is playing up front, and scoring goals. So. Mm-hmm. I think too many leaders get bogged down in organisations that want them to spend their time essentially doing admin tasks, collection, collecting data for monthly reports, um, you know, t- attending endless tirade of meetings that have seemingly no meaning. And mm-hmm. you're not spending the time watching the game, developing the, the players. And, um, you know, what's... a What's a characteristic that's shared by all those top football coaches? Players cut, leave them better than they, uh, better players than when they join them, right? That's yeah. A, that's a default, and that should be you as a, a leader in business. Mm. People should come to you and, and and you know and learn, develop themselves, find a pathway on which they can be the best they can be, develop good discipline high standards for themselves, high standards for the people around them, uh, and then move on to some to something else. And mm. that's a, another part of being a, a good leader is sometimes watching your best players move on. Yeah, and actually, yeah, because there is an apprehension. It's, you know, I've seen a lot over the years of, you know, and read a lot about it and heard about it where, you know, some organisations or you know, many organisations as a popular thing is being we there's an apprehension about well but what if they leave you know what, what if you like train them up and and they leave or actually you use you in a leadership role should be happy about them them going you know if, if they if it's the right reasons for them and everything it's going to help the next step in their career then, then fantastic and the actually the football analogy is you know is, is a great one isn't it because because they can't go on the pitch and play you know and actually their job is to actually hire people better than them <laughs> you know it's like <laughs> they can't do everything so they're going to be well you know they and i think that thing about hiring people you know that are the right fit for the role and the organization rather than hiring people because you think they may not be as much of a threat to your career your individual careers I think is not necessarily something we have to unpack now, but is, is just a something interesting that's come to mind. 
I think hiring people that fit the culture that you're trying to create in the organization. And if the culture you're, you've inadvertently created, not deliberately, is one of low standards and low accountability, then that's the sort of people you're going to attract. And the people that don't like working in those environments are going to leave and they tend to be your best people. Mm. You know, and so you've lost them anyway. Yeah. If you develop them up and they become, and I, I believe what goes around comes around anyway. And if you're working in an enlightened organization, they'll have a good talent management scheme and they can go to op opportunities elsewhere within the same organization to continue their growth and development. Mm. And you start that ball rolling again with the next fresh face that comes along, the next talent that comes along. You know, what? And go, go on, mate, go on. No, I'd finish. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, culture fit, you know, there's that. Often that's been talked about a lot, hasn't it, over the years? And it's, you know, sometimes that's, well, it can be seen as being, well, people that are like us. It, it's not. It's the you know, people are going back to Gallup's, you know, forward on the research. It's, you know, people can kind of attach themselves naturally to a purpose, to a mission and those values of an organisation. You know, you can be, you have a whole lot of, you know, diverse people that can join an organisation but can share the same, you know, values yeah i think that's an excellent point um you know diversity of thoughts incredibly important to me um i've always in leadership positions welcomed um diversity within the the teams that i've um led managed uh, i think it's extremely important sometimes there's one lone voice that comes out of left field that just changes your yeah. thing oh, yeah on. maybe we should kick that down the road for a little bit that's mm. a really good point um especially when you're under pressure and there's things happening you kind of jump on a course of action you need that diversity it helps creativity and innovative problem solving um and yeah you've got to, you've got to hire the right people into your organization but who are the right people so if you're not clear on your values if you're not clear on what you stand for and you can only be clear on what you stand for if you stand for it, but that means holding people accountable to high mm. standards. You walk past the standard you accept. If it's okay to go home early, if it's okay to do substandard work. In my um, old industry, if, it, if it's okay to write a permit to work incorrectly, then that's the sort of standard you're going to get if you don't challenge those things, right? Mm. You want to create a discipline of people that have high performance as a a value that they hold dear to their heart as well as um more importantly um the way they behave because um the what are your values your values are essentially the order in which your beliefs land in my, mm. in my thought process mm. your attitudes how you feel about them and your behavior is what everyone sees so if you if you set behavioral standards first and then performance standards you're going to uh, improve the culture of the organization and you'll improve performance. And here's what I mean by that. Alex Ferguson wouldn't let you on a coach if you weren't wearing a shirt and tie and a blazer. Yes, right? yeah, 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 absolutely. Why make such a stand on such a small thing? Well, because this is what we stand for when we're Man United and we're going away from home. Or maybe, you know, you had the same rule when we're going to Old Trafford. You look smart, yeah. you look presentable, we represent the club. This is our standard of behaviour and this is what we accept. If you let those things slide, then what you're basically saying is you can get the result any way you like. 
Yes, yeah, absolutely. And what does that do? That promotes competition. It promotes non-collaborative behaviours in the workforce. You know, a classic example would be, you know, the salesperson who um, goes out of his way to to cut the legs out of his or her competition in the work in the in internally to to meet their own targets. That's not good yeah. for the business. That's individualistic. It's toxic. Yeah. You know. We all come together to live in villages, towns, and cities, countries for a reason. And that is that collaboration is in, is built within us. You know, no, we're, it, here. We, yeah. <laughs> yeah. we're here. Yeah, we're here. I mean, we spent you know, we're a hundred thousand years on uh, on the planet. On in some people's view, ninety thousand of when we were running around on, on our own, dying. Mm. It was only when we started working together that we prospered, and that's the same. Mm. Um, that's the same in business. I think too much we focus on the results you know, and, and reward people for getting the job done and not how they did it. You know, guys, yeah, focus on the end, not the means to the end. Yeah, focus on the ends and not the means. You know, mm. I mean, sport analogies are great to make the point. You know, when we were kids, Ben Johnson ran their 100 meters in 9.79 seconds, lauded for the end result, a time that's still pretty meaty in this day and age. Mm. how did he do it he cheated mm. it's not how fast you run it's how you run fast right um yeah, yeah, yeah. the list is endless of the amount of people that have achieved great things but not by doing it in the right way mm. so you need Which, to be really careful about that i think um so for me kind of you know this podcast a lot of this podcast covers is 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 employee marketing employee content marketing which is you know what can we what can organizations share externally and internally to attract and retain you know talent basically and and i think for me what you're talking about makes me think about how in the world of employer marketing there is that has there is a bit of a malaise about things sometimes it's it, it can be a bit the communication can be a bit vanilla you know, it's, you know, you've got these whole statements like, you know, well, we, we strive to do the best that we can, you know, we, we want to do things differently. And, you know, organizations can say all those things and they might be true, you know, but they can say them. But if you're going to recruit the right people, you actually create content of people proving that by the discussions they have, you know, so for me, that's why content marketing is so important because it's all well and good, right? someone saying well yeah come and join us we're an innovative organization how about you swap that with actually it could be a podcast episode or it could be it could be an event or it could be a a, a, a remote you know zoom style conversation about about how breaking things and learning to fail quickly is something that really excites the people on you know in that discussion you know that that for me is such a big departure away from what is typically not saying this is across the board but what's typically seen as i classify as being no days the same content a lights camera action content which is this marketing brochure where glossy kind of pitch on things are actually a big part of it is about just letting your letting your people talk you know and I think then what you do is you then get people seeing that content and you get someone who, who is going to go, actually, you know what? Yeah, that's me. Well, they might look at it and go, no, I'm absolutely 
not in tune with that. I couldn't see myself working with these people at all. So I'll, I won't waste my time and they won't waste their time. And it's interesting how you can draw parallels between our two disciplines though, because ultimately yeah. what you're trying to do is create trust. And you're doing that by showing people what we value and what we believe in. And uh, and your 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 marketing strategies are, are how you're getting that across to people. You know, the glossy brochure that just shows a perfect day in the life of no one believes. So yeah. you know, this is quite interesting. And actually, yeah, and then you, you spin that off into internal comms and the the two are very much connected, you know, where when you are involving your people, not just saying, can you rock up to a a talking heads shoot where you'll sit on a chair and have a bit of an office background, we might be in a meeting room and you'll just answer a bunch of questions and go off, you know. Now, there is a role for that, but, you know, <laughs> if you actually have someone and they I've had it before actually where I've had people I work with they've been involved in a podcast episode for what I'm like for a client and they're like bouncing at the end of it because because they've shared their expertise they've shared their opinion and they've shared some stories and actually by doing that they realize how good they are what they do and they make other people realize how good they're what they do because they're talking with those people you know mm. on that podcast so I think and then what you you have is there you definitely have that employee engagement piece where i think people do i mean dan pink actually what's that what's that you just before this this um our call but dan pink um has this book called drive talks about motivation you know and they talk about mastery you know that thing about having mastery is really important and if you realize actually you do have that mastery over something and that autonomy then actually you are you are more engaged and you are in your flow when you're working. So I think all that stuff that I've just kind of talked about is 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 really important for employee engagement, which then ties back to the thing about making sure more than 15% of the global workforce are engaged at what they do. Yeah, and I think it's very, very easy for bad leaders to disengage people who are in pursuit of that mastery, which I believe is um, for a great many people innate within you. And yeah. I think it's been, you know, the last couple of thousand years have been quite, um, it's, it's been quite interesting how we've formed societies and, and in those societies, people had jobs, people had crafts, there were guilds, there was the, the butcher, the baker, the candlestick maker, you know, big Gary walk around the outside of the settlement, make sure no one gets in, you know, because everyone yeah, yeah. had a skill and everyone had a part to play. And then since like the industrial revolution, we've just reduced people to resources. And what do you do with resources? Yeah. You use them, you use them up. And that's a generational thing. That can go back three or four generations. So now you've got people that rock up to work every day with no purpose because they are they've been institutionalized into thinking that no one cares about them. Mm. Yeah, is, yeah. We have to challenge, we have to do something about that every single it's a, day it's amazing how you know i often said it really is this kind of a hangover from the industrial age you know and looking at processes and having everyone having their own workstation and turning up at a certain time to the factory to that workstation and doing their work and leaving no i mean god you geez you you know this till the cows come home you know manufacturing processes have been improved significantly over over 
the last hundred years, hundred years plus, you know, but, but there's a time and also that is, it's kind of over <laughs> mechanics, mechanicized, <laughs> industrialized you know, process focused, yeah. you know, where it's not, it's, it's, it's not focusing as much on, on the individuals, and especially when now over the last two years, you've got people who don't have to be, well, that two years for the last two years, they've not been at their workstation. They're not being in the factory. Obviously, there are roles that do that, of course. I mean, you've been... Yeah, no, but I've always been in the factory. I mean, like, yeah. for the most part, at least, anyway. Um, well, I, I, definitely that, that side of things is is changing, and for the better, because work-life balance can improve. Um, I do believe that collaborative working's improved in a face-to-face -face environment. I'm not saying everyone should go back to the office five days mm. a week um all year but i do i do think there's still a place for office-based um working or at least yeah, you know face-to-face -face working i think i think it is good for the soul as well i mean i i yeah. think mental health has taken a big hit in the last couple of years and people getting lonely and mm. not interacting with the world as much or through a computer screen as much mm. uh, but you know on your on your point um Automation is a good thing because ultimately it does improve processes. But what we've got to do is find um, a place for the people that used to do that work and yes. a way for them to contribute to society. And in the next hundred years, that's going to be more and more and more and more prevalent. And there's mm. more people, the population is growing. So we've got to, if you don't have a good leader in your workspace that helps you do that, then you're really kind of um you're hidden aren't you you're 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 depressed by the leadership they're not giving you opportunities to be to improve yourself mm. i'm not saying that everybody has to rock up every single day you know there are there are there is a definite place for people that want to come in do the standard to a good to a good standard and go home yeah. i don't have a problem with that at all but i think we don't put enough in place for the people that want to do more or are in the wrong job and that all comes down to to leadership and leadership's hard because it's lonely and you need to have a certain amount of courage when you're that person and what what is courage it's the loss of self you know you've mm. got you've got to be prepared to put your self-interest to one side for other people and mm. i don't think the world is congruent to that at the moment i think if anything it's going in the other direction well there's there's that yeah there's that expectation by others but also for yourself to have all the answers you know and and well as a leader you've got to got to come up with all the answers but we, we, we've touched on some of this already but it's like you know that thing about diversity of thinking and someone coming from something from a, a different angle is really important because it's good to say I've only got half an idea. I've said it often on this podcast, actually. Half ideas clashing with other half ideas, you know, and then kind of whatever comes from that friction comes, you know, fantastic ideas. So, you know, it's 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 important to not to have all the answers because otherwise you because you end up doing it all yourself, or even worse, <laughs> people who are working for you don't want don't want to do anything. They they are they become the disengaged. They eighty five percent actively I mean, disengaged in the manufacturing engineering world there's a phrase called the long screwdriver which is okay. uh, where you have your your management behind you with a 
a long screwdriver, you know, constantly telling you what to do and how to do it. Well, if that's the case, why buy the centre forward in the first place if you're the one that yeah. wants to do it? And I think, um, I think that is, it happens because leaders are not courageous enough to let those people go on the same journey that they went on. Mm. You had to fail, you had to learn. But when you're the leader, it reflects on you. The performance of those people reflects on you. And short-term thinking would say, I can't let this fail, so I'm going to step in because I know what buttons to push. So if you press that one and you fix that and then you do this, it will work. Mm. But who wants their dad holding their hand when they cross the road when they're 30 years old? Yeah, 100%. But that's what people do. That's what leaders do. And they do it because they're worried about themselves, not because they're interested in the development of the person. And it's not mm. done through a malevolence. It's done through fear. Mm. That's, yeah, it's Sean, it's fantastic chat. I think before I forget, I'm going to get a book off my shelf. I think my wife got it. Rosilia got it. Um, that it reminds you of some of the stuff you've been talking about. Um, so Matthew side, power of diverse thinking, rebel ideas. Um, he also wrote black box thinking, but you know, he's, um, this book, I, I'm not actually, yeah, I've not actually read it, but I've listened to the audio book. It's part of my running is one of my running, many running companions. And, um, he talks about that diversity of thinking, which is, you know, different cultures bring a different way of looking at it. It talks about actually doing research with Americans and then Japanese people. Yeah. And actually how the Americans looked at it in one way. They looked at the very specifics of what was happening in front of them. But then the Japanese team were looking at everything in the context around it. And he also talks about how, oh my goodness, I think it's the CIA, not the FBI, CIA and and um 9 11 and how the cia was full of people at the top of their game but because they all thought the same way and they're hired based on a certain type of person they didn't have that diversity thinking which is blind meant spots. they missed they missed yeah so many blind spots i mean even now looking back i mean obviously you know <laughs> what's the, um looking back is you know it's easy to do isn't it you know but but well, yeah, things that the retrospect is the things that in hindsight is, you know, is, 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 a, is brilliant, isn't it? But it's like, it's, yeah. there's some obvious, obvious things that are missed in terms of 9-11, you know, and seeing, seeing, um, oh my God, what's his name? Bin Laden. Yes, yeah, that's it. Um, it's good that we've forgotten. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, and and the CIA looking at well, and America looking at Bin Laden in a cave, and just going, "Well, oh, but he's in a cave, you know, he's not, not, not dressed as a soldier. He can't be a, can't be a." You know, they're they're singing to their people messages through song. <laughs> What's that all about? But actually, turns out that that was an absolutely an absolute motivator to the people who are following him and so they did miss a trick so my point on that is that because they hired the same kind of person there wasn't that diversity of thinking and um and by having different 
those different cultures brings those different life experiences, those different environmental um, factors that that do make you think about things slightly differently. Not not quite the no idea is a bad idea approach in workshops, but it's it's appreciating that people have different different views and bringing those to the table rather than having all the answers yourself. Yeah, and um, you know you've got to be prepared as the leader of that group of people and you don't necessarily have to have line management authority to be a leader if you're going to step up yeah. into that role you've got to be prepared to put your ego to one side and and even if you think you know the best way of doing it then it's perfectly acceptable to offer your opinion into that situation but you've got to make sure you surround yourselves with people that know different things from you potentially more than you and you've got to be starting out thinking i can probably learn something from these people yeah uh, if your mindset is you're so under pressure your boss is screaming at you the customer's screaming at you in manufacturing the lines are down we're not making any parts you know in sales i'm not making any sale whatever it might be the pressure's on people they move away from best practice they know they know they shouldn't be doing it but they do it anyway i've, I've been guilty of it we all have yeah, um, survival mode isn't it, really? survival mode yeah, it's like i've got mm. to get out of this hole so mm. um, and unfortunately um we don't spend enough time learning from those mistakes and rectifying them so that next time it happens we do the right thing and quite often we get rewarded for being the hero and the savior of the day you know oh, yeah. if you press those three buttons it will work and then your boss comes out oh good job you were here but it's your leadership style that got us into this problem in <laughs> yes it's a vicious circle so yeah and you leave and then you know you get promoted and then you, you have a bigger shadow to cast and you do more damage you know mm. and that's typically what i've seen in bad situations mm. conversely um when you have a good leader one that does focus their attention on the players on the pitch the culture you develop is one of high performance one of high standard one of high caring about each other and the job and the results that you get are sustainable and probably more than you thought were possible in the first instance mm -hmm. and you what you want to feel as a leader in my opinion is like if you ever pushed a heavy shopping trolley down a hill and you've nearly lost control of it <laughs> it's that precipice <laughs> yeah. like, whoa that's what you want to feel like i don't actually know what's going to happen here i don't know what's going on i don't know everything about my organization who's who's doing i want to know who's doing what right you should be in a place where you don't know what area mm. what, what's happening yeah, because that absolutely. means there's independent activity that's going on and people yeah. are if well focused advancing the goals of the organization I remember seeing like, you know, looking back over the years and seeing email exchanges, messages amongst my team <laughs> and then just getting on with it. You know, it's like beautiful. <laughs> it's like such a lovely thing to see, you know, and uh, you get involved when you need to. But it's, it's, it's really great to see people kind of in part figuring it out for themselves, but, you know, being there when they need it and uh, giving them the tools to help them figure it out as well yeah i mean it's a bit of a, an obtuse saying but my uh, i had my a boss a couple of bosses ago used to say to me uh, you're too busy you gotta get to a point where you can play golf in the afternoon and 
I ultimately, I, I know what he meant, and that was you, yeah. you need to make sure that um, they don't need you. It makes sense. Yes. But when that Absolutely. point happens, you've got to ask yourself, what's your job? Why are you yeah. here? What impact are you making? What's your contribution? Uh, that that can be quite a difficult question to answer actually if you stop doing the yeah. job of people underneath you and you start <laughs> thinking about your own job you're like why am i here yeah it's true it's a needed it, it could be it's a fine line because it, it's a it's a scary question to ask but it also is a very exciting question to ask yeah you know maybe i should um, be thinking about strategy and planning maybe yeah. maybe i should be communicating to people about what that actually is <laughs> maybe i should be aligned in the organization i haven't done any of these yeah. things because i've been doing yeah. the safety manager's job for the last four months yeah. well sean it's been yeah as always great chat um i think what we'll do is you know we can always revisit this you know future episodes and we can maybe focus it on a particular area perhaps uh, love to definitely something around around perhaps the internal comm side of things maybe um mm. but also also that thing about the kind of content leadership should encourage more of and leadership okay. should should make make their employees feel free to to be involved in creating content that is more them about them than than just a what can seem like a bunch of corporate slogans that people don't really attach to um so yeah thanks very much really appreciate it sean and uh yeah i'll see you soon yeah, cheers, mate. Thanks for that. Um, really enjoyed the chat. Thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed the chat. If you did, feel free to subscribe to get future episodes. And please do share the podcast with others. It really does make a difference.